Welcome to the GCW Plant Podcast, Episode 6. I am your host, Mystical Jericho, and once again, coming back to the show, our new co-host, Mr. JJW, John J. Wolf. How are you doing tonight, John? You know, I'm doing great tonight. I'm ready to get into this gateway to death. And let's hop right into Gateway to Death from yes. Pops Nightclub in St. Louis, Illinois. So, start off the night, Nick Gage comes out. He does, uh, ML- MLJ does his little entrance, gets the crowd all hyped up. Nick Gage says how much he loves these people, and it's their first time in St. Louis. So, even though he's not wrestling on the card, at least he made an appearance, made his uh, entity known to the St. Louis crowd, even though he might not have been in a match. And uh, pretty sure he hops on a couple of matches and does some announce, uh, ring announcing too, which was uh, awesome. I like to see him, at least if he's not going to be used in a wrestling capacity, come out and hype up the death matches, get the crowd excited for that. They still love seeing him. His entrance alone is just as good as a match at this point. is his stage in his career now, and he still has the love, and at least he's also on commentary, which I love having him on commentary. I don't know how you feel about it, but I love hearing him on commentary because He's just always hysterical to me, like, oh, fuck him up, fuck him up, stab him, yeah, yep. stab him in the yep. eye. And then he's always like, <laughs> fuck that ref, he don't know what he's doing, that ref's out of here, beat his ass, I, I love oh, yeah. that. You know, he's, he's uh, yeah, I actually said it with two other guys, it's starting to be my thing, but really, uh, he is GCW. Like, his voice, who he is, everything about him, he, he is, he's, he exudes, everything about him is ECW. Oh, I'm sorry, see that? That's a funny slip up because I'll tell you, he'd fit there too. That's another talk for another time. But uh, he just, that's all he is. So he, just like you're saying, hearing him on the mic, he's just phenomenal. He's got that tough guy attitude, you know, straight out of, it's like that New York, New Jersey kind of talk. You know, it's, it's everything that GCW is. It was where GCW was born. And that's, that's, uh, it's just, God, I love listening to him. Yeah, that ECW slip-up's not a slight. Like, GCW's com- being compared to ECW, and if you're a star in yes. GCW being compared to the stars of ECW, I'm pretty sure he would not take that as a slight. And him just being out there, getting the energy to start off the night for the crowd, especially for them being GCW's first time in St. Louis, I thought that was very awesome to see, and like, I want to see a lot more of it. Yes, 100%. For our first match of the evening, we had Gringo Loco, the base god, going against Blake Christian once again in his Graveheart mask. And this was a nice, fun match. Nice way to start off the show, get the crowd hyped, especially once again being their first time in St. Louis. Uh, what two better wrestlers, that, especially Blake Christian? He's on his roll lately. Gringo has not put on a bad match in a long time. And that was a very great way to start the opening match of the night. Yes. Um, I wanted to say on my end, it was an extremely strong opener. Both men showed up. Like if, if you wanted to ask someone what a gringo local match would look like, this gave, you know, this was a great example. Same thing for Blake Christian. The bonus that they actually met for this one. Uh, it, there was dueling chance quite a bit. Uh, right off the bat, they did start with a show of respect. So I thought that was really cool. Um, what about you? You, you no. we were talking... We were talking earlier about something. I don't know if you still have the stats on it, but this year, Blake has only uh, lost, what, three matches? Uh, I think three singles matches, if you don't count, Ooh. like the rum- the couple rumbles they did and the, like the clusterfuck uh, that they did, the collective. But yeah, he's like 25 and three for this year in GCW. Hence why he's next in line to get the next shot at John Moxley. 
Wow. Sorry. I, uh, oh, I'm sorry. I, uh, sidetracked you there on the, on what was going on in the match. No, it's funny that I just wanted to bring up the one cool spot I really like seeing was uh Gringo Loco does his little two front flips and then he does his little dance at the end. But as he was doing those front flips, Blake Christian showing off his uh agility himself and not to be yes. done by Gringo, he decided to do the front flips too and land right behind him and kind of stare him down. And then Gringo turns around and he goes like, what the fuck, man? Did you steal my shit? <laughs> like that was great. I love Gringo Loco doing that, taking control of his own shit. And not to be outdone by Blake Christian. Love seeing it. Oh, man. Okay, so what I was thinking here in this situation was uh, after this. Okay, so the finish. Blake did a poison rana from the top rope. And then he did a, like a head stomp onto the canvas. Blake picked up that win. What are we looking at? A little over 13 minutes. It was a, it was a great match. Honestly, five or ten more minutes longer. And it probably would have been the match of the night. It was well on its way to being one hell of a story. And there it's just another matchup where if they're given the right spotlight, they're going to deliver. Yeah. Those two, I don't think I've seen them not deliver at any match in their GCW career and being, I think that was the first time seeing them go head on one-on-one, which is very interesting. Like I was kind of interested in see how the outcome would be. Since Gringo Loco has been on his little role with the Luchas and Blake Christian's just on his GCW tear, just beating everybody. I loved seeing the hot start tonight. It might not have been the normal scramble match to get the crowd hyped like they normally do sometimes, but this was a, if it wasn't a scramble match, this was the best way to introduce the GCW action to this brand new St. Louis crowd. Oh yeah. If you wanted a singles, this would have been a great, uh, a great example. Yes. And like you said, Blake won with the Poison Rana. And then I, I'm calling it the Grave Stomp. I don't know if I've heard KG call it or someone else call it or if I'm stealing it or making it up myself. But I'm calling that little Curb Stomp the Grave Stomp since uh, Blake Christian has his little Graveheart gimmick going. So awesome start to the night. Great opening match. For our second match of the evening, we have the legend, Two Cold Scorpio. Going up against Alley Catch. And what I consider was a pretty fun match. It started off nice and fun. They had the little dance offs. They had the little uh, dancing with the kid at the entranceway. That one kid was great yeah. until uh, Tuchel came out. Then he got scared. And then Tuchel started dancing. And then the kid got back into it. So that was cool seeing them give <laughs> love to that kid. And then uh, seeing the back and forth of Alley Catch and Tuchel Scorpio with the dance off and comedy little skit and then it got serious real fast yes you know uh the wrestling was great right off the bat um i really wasn't judging the wrestling in this match i was really more interested in kind of more of the comedy i they're both really uh i'm trying to think of the word for it when they have that something it's just they have that something without the, you know for lack of a better word they but connect, I was looking connection with it. the fans. They connect with the fans yeah. in different ways, like in different styles that they each do. Like Tuco Scorpio does the dancing, does the comedy, does the high flying. While Ali yes. catches a woman in the ring, beating up men, beating up women, beating up anybody in front of her, while also being very technical and having fun with it. So they both could connect with the crowd. Charisma. Yes, I was that looking was for that word. Charisma. Yeah. They both have so much charisma that, I mean, neither of them can do wrong. Even if Scorpio decides to be heel, it's going to go over well with the crowd. If anything, they'll just play into it because he's trying to be a heel. Yeah. And of course, in a natural way, you got Alley Cat going against another man. Naturally, she's going to be the baby face. They all want to see the underdog win. They all want to have hope that Ali could 
for the for the women out there showing like it not just has she doesn't have to go against the women she holds her own against men and does it on a very consistent basis in gcw oh yeah i'd have to say that really i mean it's really hard to find many women that can come in and hang with her and what i mean with that is hang with the men yes I mean, there's, I don't think there's a better way to put it. She really, she, without better words, she's just one of the guys. There's really very little separation. Um, I have seen once or twice where people do get kind of weary, like every now and then, ah, Scorpio, he took this real hard, gave her a real hard shop. And every now and then you can almost hear in the crowd that it's a little more than usual, you know? And, uh, I think there is that small separation that's still, still there. Yes. And I can speak on firsthand experience. My first ever GCW show, I saw mm-hmm. Joey Janela go against Ali catch and like that match ended with the ref throwing up the X. Cause he did. I like, I think he slammed her on the outside with the DVD on the apron on the hard part of the apron, as everyone wants to say. And mm-hmm. like, she might've seriously hurt her ribs, but like, yeah, there was a hush in the crowd and like, during that match, since that was my first GCW show, I had not used to seeing a bunch of men go against women. So I was kind of interested to see how that would turn out. And Joey laid it in. And like you said, sometimes the wrestlers, they know they have to keep it stiff on them. And it just comes off across different when it's Joey Janela or Too Cold, really, really giving Ali Cash the business in the ring. And as a fan, like my first one, I was like, is she all right? Is she okay? And luckily I saw her afterwards during the craziness of a normal SGC match. They're outside and all the rest of us are outside too. Wanted to watch the what crazy shit Manders and uh, Mancer's going to do. So seeing her outside though, after the injury and she was okay. And a couple of fans checking up on her, like that was made it a lot easier to stomach at the end of the day. Oh, well, speaking of injury, Here's how our finish went. Uh, Too Cold Scorpio came off the top rope. It is his basic flip. He, uh, I don't want to call it basic, but it's one of his finishers. I don't have the name for it right now, but it came off, hit it for the win. Um, uh, this this kind of gets fast, this whole after part of the match, because it does talk about an injury. Uh, instead of going out of memory, I'm going to kind of go off of my notes for a second. In my notes, it says, after the match, we realized Allie was accidentally hit in the face by the back of Scorpio's shoe. Scorpio came to her aid immediately. He was a real class act. He obviously felt bad. She was bleeding bad, dropping a lot of blood in the process. They gave her a towel and Scorpio, he, uh, Scor- Scorpio held it for her. Uh, and then actually towels her off towards the end. He, he really treated her with care. I think he was a real gentleman about the whole situation. He was a real professional. And luckily, Davy Richards was right there to assist her as soon as she got to that curtain. Yes, and... Awesome. It was too cool. Scorpio. You're like you guys are both competitors in the ring. Unfortunately, someone gets hurt, but after the match was over, after Scorpio picked up that win, he realized he might've seriously injured Allie and he didn't want to seriously injure her. He wanted to pick up the win, of course, as any wrestler would, but right afterwards he realized the match was over. The competitiveness went away and the respect factor kicked in. And you can see Allie, the kind of like not surprised by it, but felt very like overwhelmed. Like, Hey, you didn't have to sit there and make sure I was okay. You just beat me. You just won. I'll be okay. I've done this before, but you could tell she took a lot of gratitude in the way that Too Cold treated her and helped her out afterwards. So that was very awesome to see. Yeah, I think both of them handled it the best they could. Uh, I mean, just in closing, though, Scorpio was a true professional. Yes, and it was an awesome match before all that action and comedy that happened before and the crazy finish at the end. Just one unfortunate heel to the face, but take nothing away from Too Cold. He gets the victory and take nothing away from Alley Catch just because she lost. She proves she's one bad bitch in that GCW ring. 
For match three of the night, we had Axton Ray going against Ninja Kamikaze Mac. And I was excited for this match. I am a quickly and not so quietly becoming a huge fan of Axton Ray and letting everybody know about it. I think he has something in him. I first saw him. He kind of has yeah. a little it factor and him going against uh ninja mac here you never know well we kind of know what we're going to get from a ninja mac but we just never know what kind of damage ninja mac is going to take and some somebody from axon ray who's shows off his strength his agility and his creativeness in this match like it was very awesome to see and i was looking forward to just watching this and in my opinion it did not disappoint yeah this this match was really a high-flying affair um somewhat it wasn't really the fast pace uh, Ninja Mech kind of match. This really was slowed down and the action was kind of moderate. This was really more of a real wrestling match. This wasn't a spot fest. People weren't trying to break their ankles off the top ropes. Um, this was really, I think this was about solidifying Ninja Mac as being able to be a wrestler, to keep his feet on the ground, to show that he has more than just the air uh, underneath him as a wrestler and be going to before even blood sport when he participated in the blood sport event he was those first couple match or those first matches heading into blood sport he showed off his uh ninja skills if you want to say and would quickly and without the opponent even knowing catch him in the rear naked choke or he would sit there and roll with them and get out of these crazy predicaments that he found himself in which is something we don't like how you said we don't see a lot of ninja back doing because he's always doing the high flying highly fast-paced match and seeing the technical prowess that he's gaining and now showing to us and ever since Bloodsport I like seeing Ninja incorporate that into his wrestling style and he's doing a very good job with that lately I really can't disagree in this situation it would it's just same thing that I said I think on the last show this was another one where if it was if a kid showed up to see Ninja Mac I don't think this would have been full Ninja Mac uh, you know, he has minutes sometimes where he's just flipping and putting the moves on. And I mean, he's really doing his thing. There wasn't as much of that in this one. I, I really do still strongly say this was more about staying on the mat. Yes. And luckily, Axton, he's kind of shown he's pretty creative on the mat as well. He's d does his little like front flip into the ropes and bounces off of it and then does like another backflip where people used yeah. to hit the backflip into the ropes and then do a front flip move. Like he's kind of switching up the style and I like seeing him be creative in the ring. And that's a perfect opponent for him to show off his creativity and his strength and his agility is with Ninja Mac. And I think they put on a pretty great match and I definitely want to see both of these go at it uh, sometime soon. And Axton's getting better each and every time we see him in this GCW ring. And hopefully we keep on seeing a lot more of him as well and seeing his growth as a GCW performer this year. Yeah, this was a situation where, you know, both guys really did show up to the match, but Axton's kind of the talk of the town right now just because he's brand new. Um, <laughs> brand new is one thing, but these moves, I'll tell you, um, his athleticism shows. And it, uh, it's one of those things where when he walks to the ring, you don't, you don't really see anything special. You're not seeing anything more than a, a, a good wrestler coming out. He looks clean. Uh, he has a decent physique. He's not chiseled and cut. You can just see that he can hold his own as as someone who comes out there to try to perform. And then here comes the flips. And then here comes the moves. And here comes all these things that you didn't maybe expect him to do. And boy, is it a showcase when he can. 
And GCW does a pretty good job of finding these people that nobody really heard of, and they make a name for themselves real quick in GCW. Ninja Mac being one of them, like he took some time off of wrestling for a little bit, went back in, started doing his training. GCW, I don't even know how they got a hold of him, or how they found out about him, but they brought him in. And since day one, Ninja Mac's killed it. You can say the same thing for Nick Wayne. Nobody who knew Nick Wayne was before GCW, and mm-hmm. he's been killing it. And Axon Ray would just be another one of those line of wrestlers that nobody's heard of but you give them that one opportunity on the gcw independent wrestling scale and the platform and he shows you what he does and all it takes is that one good showing and boom you're going to hopefully become a gcw regular soon and brett has done a very good job of inviting those kind of wrestlers back and back and back for all these shows and going all around the country so that way they could get better recognition and more popular with everybody yeah, I really do think that in this, I mean, just Brett has done a hell of a job to make sure that as fans, we're happy. Yes, very much so. I've, yeah. I've never left a GCW show either watching or in person disappointed. And it just keeps on going. And this match shows, like, give Brett the creativity and the talent and let the wrestlers do their thing and keep his hands off of them. Just let him, hey, go out there and steal the show. And these two tried their best and they did a very good match. Nice, solid match. And Ended up with uh, Ninja Mac hitting, or looked like he almost hit a Phoenix 630, but he just missed. Axton capitalized on it, tried rolling up uh, Ninja. Ninja showed his technical skills that we were just talking about, improving, and end up rolling up uh, Axton for the win. And hopefully that will jumpstart him here and get on a little roll and start seeing uh, more Ninja Mac before he heads back to Noah. Hey, every little bit of ninja we can get right now, we're we're gonna take. Every moment is precious. Yes, very much so. And ninja, keep on killing it. Axton, please keep on coming back. We want to see more of you. For our fourth batch of the evening, we have everybody's lovable favorite asshole, Tony Deppin, going <laughs> against Nick fucking Wayne. And this was a kind of a big match between both of them as they both just uh, main evented each night show the weekend prior with Tony Deppin having his main event. Mayhem match against uh, Moxley and Nick Wayne showing that he could hold his own against one of the world's greatest right now and Will Ospreay. So both of them took losses that weekend and this was a nice way to see uh, who could get back on that winning track and get back on uh, their momentum to hopefully become an either some GCW world title holder or uh, GCW's ultraviolet or extreme title holder. So this was an interesting match. I was looking forward to coming in. Yeah, this was a situation where Deppin's really the most one of the most technically sound wrestlers in GCW at this time. Uh, and like you were saying here, we were going to probably talk about this as how he's the gatekeeper. Yes. He tends to be one of the people that if, uh, if they have someone coming in here that has a little bit of skill or someone they're looking at to maybe bring on uh, a more of a full-time basis, they always have them. Uh, they always have to go against uh, Tony there and they have to really see what technical skills they have. Yeah, and Tony takes all these uh, wrestlers that are put in front of him, whether it be what seems to be a lot in the last few months was first-timers. They put him, first-time GCW wrestlers, put him in the ring with Tony, and Tony takes him to the deep end and makes sure, like, hey, this yeah. is how it's going to be in GCW. You're going to hold yourself, or are you going to come out here and drown? And most of the time, they all come out and come out swimming and do have a very good showing with Tony, but sometimes Tony takes him out to the deep end and drowns him, and he ends up getting the victory and killing all that momentum. So it's very uh, very cool seeing Nick Wayne going against Tony Deppin, and Nick Wayne, after pushing himself to limits against a high flyer and very fast-paced match against Will Ospreay, here he got to show his 
technical prowess while showing off his aerial uh, moveset as well against Tony. Yeah, I think this was stretching Nick Wayne's uh, ground ground attack. Um, this was really a back and forth. Generally, you're going to have a spot fest. You're going to have this. It really was back and forth the whole time. No one was really truly dominant in this event. Um, is there anything else you really have to say about it? Because really, it was just a situation where, uh, you know, Wayne never disappoints. Deppa never disappoints. So, yeah, let me know what you kind of think on this one. I thought they both had a chip on their shoulder coming in after main eventing and then both losing. Obviously, everybody hears about Tony's chip on his shoulder because right afterwards, he got put in those scrambles. And he made everybody hear all the complaints he had about being put in the scrambles after main eventing against Moxley and having a great showing. But it's just the way it is. Like, I know GCW, yeah, you had your chance. You lost. You go back to the bottom and you got to work your way back up. And working his way back up right now is uh, Tony Deppin going against Nick Wayne. And then Nick Wayne held his own, end up in the clout cutter on uh, Tony Deppin and picking up the win. And hopefully uh, we'll be seeing more Nick Wayne in these bigger profile matches since he showed he could hold his own against the high flyer. He held his own against Tony. And who knows what's next for Will Ospreay or Will Ospreay, Nick Wayne coming up in the future after the Osprey and now after the Tony match. Nick Wayne is the future. I think that's where we're at. Yep. And I don't think you would find anybody to disagree at the age of 17, putting on these crazy matches that I guess I don't think I've seen a bad Nick Wayne match either. No matter the style, tag match, scramble, one-on-one, wherever it is, he's always shows up. He always balls out. And this was just another example of it. Uh, at all costs, let's protect Nick Wayne. Yes. For the next matchup of the evening is a singles bout of bad boy Joey Janela going against Davey Richards, who is technically making his GCW debut, even though he's been on the blood sports we've seen a lot lately, but he's never actually been in a GCW ring as far as I can remember. So it was very nice seeing Davey Richards, one of the independent legends that helped grow the independent scene, but with ring of honor and impact and everything else he's been doing in the independent scene or independent world. He's awesome to see him in the GCW ring going against the bad boy, Joey Janela. What did you think of this match, John? Uh, well, it was a solid 18 minutes of nothing but in-ring performances. This didn't really go outside the ring. There wasn't much street fighting. There wasn't a lot of weapons. There wasn't a lot of bleeding. This was just a real solid wrestling match. It was really nice to see. It was refreshing. Joey Janela has been trying to put over a lot of people lately. So to see this coming from Davey Richards and him, I think it was a really enjoyable match overall. Yes, and you said put him over. While putting everyone over, he's making himself a talking point, whether it be good or bad, during every single one of these matches. And if I know the bad boys but as well as I think I do, knowing his online personality and from what little I've talked to him, uh, interactions at live shows, he loves the spotlight, whether it be good or bad. He's getting his name out there. It's being recognized as all the hard work he's done, once again, in the independent scene, helping the independent scene grow, just like yes. people like Davey Richards. And he's puts it all on the line, no matter the size of the crowd or the location of it. Anytime Joey's in a ring, you know you're going to get 1,000% from Joey. And as you said, too, this is not a typical Joey, let's go outside, do crazy moves, get the crowd yes. involved, get a little hardcore action. This was, hey, this is my time. I got a nice, solid, well-known technical wrestler, and I want to make him look good while also showing off how well I could hold my own going against this type of wrestler. And it was very, very awesome to see Joey Janela 
held his own against Davey Richards for the most part during the match. Yeah, so I'm going to dig back. Uh, I don't know. Let's go three years, maybe two years. There was a point in uh, in Joey's AEW career where he decided he was going to go against all the stuff he was doing at the time. And he wanted to be a more complete wrestler. He wanted to, you know, get that ass in the ring and basically start learning how to uh, not learning, but start really polishing his skills and uh, get him himself. Baby as more as a respected performer. Um, Huh? I, uh, Oh, go ahead. I'm we, sorry. Go ahead. We do hear a lot of a lot of people call Joey Janela the one thing everybody sees when they see him backyard wrestler, and he wants yeah. to like I think he's trying to do two things with his wrestling. With that, he wants to say like, "Hey, backyard wrestling is a form of wrestling. It doesn't need to be hated on, just like all these other styles." But yeah. he's also proven like, "Hey, I'm not just a quote unquote backyard wrestler. I can hold my own with a Mineral Suzuki and GCW. I can hold the groundwork with Joey uh, with Davy Richards. I could put on an awesome match with um, Sean Waltman, even though he's at the age that he's at. So yeah. it's Joey just loves having these matches. He, I think, he takes some of the crazier matches as if we go like into VXS when he went against Santana Jackson, like." Yeah. He made Santana Jackson look awesome that match, and like his name blew up because of that match with Joey. And I think not to take anything away from Santana Jackson, but a lot of ma- that match was, hey, Joey Janela is going to be carrying you through it, and we're going to do the wild things, and it came out awesome. Mm-hmm. And that's just Joey Janela. Like, doesn't matter what your name is, he wants to make your name bigger while also showing all his haters, like, hey, I could do whatever style you want me to do. And this was this match was a, hey, uh, we're going to have a serious Joey match, and we're going to. Me and Dave are going to tear the house down and we're not going to have to do all this crazy stuff that you all want to hate on me for. So I think what's going to happen down the road and I'm, you know, to the best of my ability, I'm working on seeing the future. But I think down the road, a lot of people are going to be watching GCW tapes, 2000s, you know, 2010s. I'm sorry, into the teens. I don't know what to call. Are they the aughts, the 20 aughts, the 20? I don't know. But I think people are going to go back 20 years from now and they're going to review a lot of these old videos. And I think Joey Janela is going to definitely be uh, one of the people that we're going to talk about. Uh, you know, do you remember when he lit his shoe on fire? Do you remember <laughs> when he took this dive? You know, didn't just there's so many memorable things and he tries to make them all the time, all the way down to the backyard show you were at where he starts in the pool. <laughs> just just talking Joey. points. Yeah, yeah, so he's, he's going to be remembered for all those things, but I think he is also like, hey, this is my one time to shine with Davey Richards. Let's have them remember yes. me as a great technical wrestler. Remember that match I had against Davey and GCW? Don't say I'm a bad technical wrestler. I can hold my own in any style, in any form, in any setting. And that's what I think he goes out and tries to prove every single night. Yeah, so this was really interesting how this one finished up. Not because of the finish, but what Davey had to say afterwards. So basically the finish went like this. Davey hit a gotch-style pile driver on Joey, and it was a quick one, two, three. But what was said afterwards was really what the most important was. And I'm going to quote Davey because this was important word for word. He said, I've been around a long time, and I've seen places start with very little, and they become cultural phenomenons. Let me tell you guys something from the bottom of my heart. You all, you fans, you guys in the back, you up there, and especially guys like you. And he's pointing around at this point, and even the talent. He said, you are part of something very special. That was a quote from Davey Richards. And 
who else better to say that he was there with the ring of honor at the dark ring of honor days he was yeah. there impact uh not at the beginning but like he, him and eddie edwards came in a little bit later but they stayed through all the downtimes. They came in at the downtime of Impact Wrestling when they had all the shenanigans going on. He helped them recover and become a more, like not more credible, but get their credibility back after the hit that they took. He's been to all these different companies, and he doesn't have to do that. Him, like Alex Shelley and the Motor City Machine Guns, like they don't have to be going to all these independent places and doing these shows. They are choosing to go out of their way to get on these shows and to show everybody it's like, hey, this company's for real. We're going to take them seriously, and you all should too. If I'm in here doing this, you all should be taking it seriously. And I think that's came off in this match, especially it being in his hometown too in St. Louis. So he was able to uh, show off a great match with Joey Janela. Yep. And maybe not a lot of people in the wrestling world thought like, oh, Joey against Davey. Like Davey's either going to embarrass Joey or Joey's going to have to do something crazy. But Joey held his own. He showed he could do any work you want. And Davey Richards mm -hmm. says, hey, I could do this stuff too. And this is where we're going to put on a great technical match. And that's what they did. Yeah. The GCW fans won. Then you have Davey making uh, Janela look that much better. You have Janela looking so much better on his own there. Um, thank you again for another 20 minutes, uh, Brett. Uh, we, we really appreciate it. Yes. And keep Davey Richards coming on GCW. Keep him coming on Bloodsport. Get Davey Richards on our screens as much as possible. Next match of the night, we have Jordan Oliver going against Dark Sheik. And this is a rematch to one of the matches they had a couple months ago back in L.A. at the Ukrainian Cultural Center, where Jordan Oliver picked up the victory, albeit controversial, over Dark Sheik. As they kind of did like the little Owen Hart, Bret Hart spot where Dark Sheik had him in the full Nelson. He ran to the corner. Uh, used his feet to push Dark Sheik back, and he rolled over Dark Sheik and then had the momentum of his shoulders covering her shoulders, and then he got the victory. But a lot of people didn't understand who won or whatnot, but Jordan picked up the win, and this was a rematch here, and it was a nice little fun match with uh, Jordan Oliver Dark Sheik, a good little rematch. They didn't really repeat anything much from their first match, but uh, what did you think of the match, John? Uh, it was an entertaining 10 minutes. I like that it uh, started with the handshake and then straight with the chops to the chest. I uh, I always like to see the chops come out early because five, 10 minutes in, once those chops start to really, uh, really start to kind of work their way in, the next time someone get hit, it gets hit there, you know it's going to hurt. Anybody who's ever had a bruise knows uh, you hit that bruise, it's, it's going to really hurt. So I'm kind of a fan. <laughs> of that kind of stuff. Uh, but otherwise it was a good match, solid wrestling. Again, it was a decent 10 minutes. It was, uh, it just felt like a really quick match. I don't know why I liked the fact that Jordan Oliver was called big breakfast, the East coast ace and the clout cutter all within one match. So I really thought that was cool. He's got a Nick. He's got a lot of nicknames to him and <laughs> he's been proving it. East coast ace. He's a, uh been winning the last couple matches this was his second victory on the weekend he ended up getting the win over dark Sheik as he hit the gonorrhea which is a little tribute to one of his favorite wrestlers jimmy rave for the win and like you said it was a nice good solid match nice little rematch and with the chops they didn't have to come out and warm up and try to get the game plan on the other person with the headlock and fill each other out they just had a match a couple months ago they knew to knew what to expect from their opponents and they just came out swinging and getting right into the action so very good match i like seeing uh dark Sheik getting her 
uh gcw she's been now traveling with them which is good we've just kind of lately seen her on the west coast but now she's going more east coast with them out now to the midwest so it's very nice seeing her starting to get to be a gcw regular and i being the jordan fan i am little uh, bias here but nice to see him get his second win of the victory and keep that momentum going yeah you know i i'm a big fan of both dark sheik and jordan oliver uh once we get to the video portion uh over here i do want to show people who are listening that i have a dark chic chair and this dark chic chair is kind of really important to me because it was a chair that uh jave Vidal ended up going through twice during that las vegas show that both you and i were at and um it's just one of those people i always like to see every time uh, they come out because i had a chance to meet both of them i know both of them are really nice people and I was really, uh, I was really happy that they opened up as the first match right after intermission. Yeah, it was a very smart way of getting the crowd back into it, easing them into uh, the rest of the car, not just coming out crazy with another death match or something right after intermission. You want to keep building yeah. the crowd up towards the main event. So this was a very fun way to introduce them back after the intermission. And noticing your chair, yeah, it's got a big dent back there. And you said that was Jay Vidal's head. <laughs> Is that who you said it was? Yeah, that thing is in such bad shape. I'm going to have to post pictures onto Twitter at some point, but it's uh, it's completely wrecked. It's being held on there by a couple <laughs> nails. I take it down, the whole damn thing falls apart in my hands. <laughs> well, shout out to FSW. Shout out to Jay Vidal. And uh, John, thanks you for the cool piece of merchandise he has in the background. Hell yeah. Match number seven of the night is a singles match between Effie and Delirious. Delirious making his GCW debut. As he began his career in St. Louis, it was kind of awesome seeing him making his GCW debut right where he made his original debut. Uh, There's a lot of interesting, interesting things that happened in this match. John, you want to go over those? Yeah. Yeah. So the first interesting thing that I wanted to talk about, I'm a big fan of the color green. Delirious's outfit was awesome because of that alone. He looked... Uh, also, he looked in shape physically. He was in great condition. Uh, it was nice to see the newest uh, Delirious back. It was it was really, really, really impressive to watch him go out there and still use the move set he used to have. And it looks like he's added some in the last six months. Um, I really did like how Effie used the tarantula. I'm a real big fan of the tarantula. I've seen it for years. Um, it was an ECW. Now it's in GCW. At least someone's carrying that flag. The longer they can hold that tarantula on the ropes, the better. Speaking of ropes, Delirious was changing ropes back and forth. He has that little thing he's known for. If you get a chance, go back and watch that. It's kind of cool. Nobody else really does it. Um, that's that's really all I have to say about that. Do you have anything? Yeah, when Delirious was uh, acting Delirious and running all over the ring and bouncing all over the ropes and changing the directions, trying to confuse Effie, I uh, love the part where Effie finally is like, okay, I'm tired of all this rope running. Let me just drop down and do my normal, hey, bring it to Effie, come to Effie. <laughs> and you even see like Effie kind of give the look of, yeah, sure, I'll try it. Why not? Not knowing uh, <laughs> what Delirious <laughs> has been through and what is underneath all those pair of pants. Del uh, Effie made it well known. He's down to try anything. So uh, I love seeing that <laughs> spot in that match. And I like kind of Effie's evolution in like that spot and the kissing spot that he normally does. Like the opponents that he's going up against lately is using a uh, little reverse psychology on him. And hey, you can't get the 
mine advantage over me. We're going to use that over you. And so they're trying to turn all the Effie stuff onto Effie. And Effie's like, no, I've been in this game too long. I know what I'm doing. I know what you guys are trying to do to me and it ain't going to happen. And I love him taking control of those situations instead of letting the opponents have control of it as they think they do. So it was very awesome seeing the two different styles of Effie and Delirious. They mesh well during this match. It was I think it delivered on what it was expected to be. And that was a very fun and entertaining match. Something that we've never seen in the ring before, obviously as GCW, uh, what's the name of delirious making his GCW debut. So it was kind of interesting him making his GCW debut against Effie, as you never know what Effie has planned for that night. Yeah. You know, and Effie's one of those people where you you're going to have to kind of fit his style more than he's going to have to fit your style. So if you're there to try to put on the, you know, the quintessential delirious match, you might not be having it that night. It's more a lot of adjustment is what I can see. And then the other thing that I wanted to talk about, because I do listen to Effie's uh, podcast that he has out there, and uh, he tries to focus on the 12, maybe even a 10 minute match. Sometimes he actually prides himself on that because he thinks that he can he's he's putting himself out there people are entertained with it he doesn't want to overdo it and this was another situation where it looks like he came in around 12 minutes so uh yeah it was a tko straight into a submission effie won that bad boy and everybody was happy yes shout out to effie's podcast weekend at effie's and yes. going back to your point of effie being in control and like not going to other people's styles. He's done that with a lot of different people. Sadika is another match I just recently saw was rewatching is like he don't like kind of went into Sadika style, but like with the death mm -hmm. match, but he's shown he's could do it his way and with his style. And I like the way he adapts to whatever opponent he's having. And he makes the his opponents adapt to his style because like you said, he's like the ring general, he's staying in charge and he's going to keep everything on track. And he's, did it very well with delirious because you never know what delirious like he just might start going ah, 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 at the referee like asking and speaking his language and referees like what the hell so going him going against <laughs> delirious was a very like he had to have control because delirious is out there and i want to see more of delirious is out there in the gcw ring as well oh absolutely watching effie and then delirious and then putting them together it's just I can't think of two things right off the top of my head that go well together, but boy, it, it just made it even sweeter once they did mix. Uh, wow. I mean, I was really happy with this. It was a nice little setup to that six man tag that's coming up next. So um, I'd have to say after the Oliver, and then they brought in a little bit of the more comedy with the Effie and Delirious match that uh, having those two was a nice touch. Effie coming out alone is something that I, uh, I definitely love to hear. I love uh, I love the music every time. So uh, anytime, Effie, perfect. Yes, and speaking of that six-man match, is another rematch of a recent show. I think it was the last, I think it was uh, Los Macisos' second match back in the States. But uh, we have another six-man tag match of Los Macisos teaming up with Jimmy Lloyd again, going against SGC of Managers Warner and Justice again. And this was another typical GCW or SGC match like, and with Los Macisos, you never know what's going to happen. They're going to be all over the place. Los Macisos, you don't know what weapons they are going to bring out. SGC, you don't know where they're going to take the fight. And Jimmy Lloyd, he's a different boy. He is unstable as it is, and nobody knows what he's going to be doing. So uh, let's uh, talk about that match. Yeah, sure. Um, 
I was really surprised that this match even started in the ring, knowing how, you know, one team is knowing how the other team is. I mean, I'm really surprised it started there. It only took a few minutes, though, and they went right to the outside of the ring. This is where SGC is comfortable. You know, the fans now they're getting involved. Everybody's getting a front row seat. Absolutely typical beauty that SGC can only put on in the way of a match. And we got my favorite part of an SGC match, which is... Tell me it's the double window. SGC double screen. I love seeing Yes. The second gear crew with the second camera crew going all over the arena. (laughs) And of course, you know, Ciclope and Los Macisos and Jimmy Lloyd, they're down for that kind of style. That's what they kind of built their name off of is the crazy Mm -hmm. Lucha Extreme as Los Macisos or Jimmy Lloyd, Deathmatch Lloyd, like... He's down for all that stuff. So I love seeing these three, uh, these teams of three going at each other. Even though it just recently happened, I will take absolutely more of them. They're always so combustible elements. And you know they're going to always do some crazy shit to try to one-up each other within their own tag team, let alone one-up each other to get the victory in the match. So I love seeing those teams of three go at it all the time. Oh, yeah. And I did want to talk about one of the spots that Justice is starting to get known for. He actually kind of sets up the tables. They're held up by chairs. You know, he's doing his thing over on the side. Even as a fan who watches this, I'm going, okay, what the hell's going to happen here? Well, okay, I know what's going to happen. I'm not going to BS myself. It's just so you got to know what's going to happen when he's doing that. Dude, exactly. And it just he goes up to the balcony. I'm guessing it's roughly 15 feet. It's probably going to be more. I'm not great with judging that time, you know, that kind of stuff. And then he kind of does his little pose on the edge of that ledge there. You know, he's just trying to suck up in all the all the love he can from the fans. Everybody's really eating it up. But what he doesn't see is Sikople, uh coming up from behind there. He he was kind of hidden. Nailed Justice in the back with a chair. So then, boom, Justice takes the big dive. Down he goes. Crash. Justice has no fear in him whatsoever. He's just down to show up, have a few beers, have fun, party, go out there, kick some ass, and let's go continue the party with our new friends that we just kicked their ass from. Yeah, that Sikople dive there was just right after it. The holy shit chants start popping out. Lovely. Yeah, Sikope is another one, too. It's like you... Him and Los Macisa, or him and uh, Vito Extremo, like they've been back. They're on a mission to say, like, hey, we know we haven't been here for four years, but we're going to continue what we started here and we're going to end it here nice and strong. And they have killed it every single match they've been in since they've been back in GCW. Yeah. And we haven't had a chance to uh, talk about Jimmy yet, but that's primarily where we talk here that Justice hits the splash on Jimmy all the way from the top rope. Rolls him up, gets the win, SGC for the win. The crowd goes nuts. It's just SGC in the building. It's really like a party. I really hope that they kind of take that to a new level where you expect it every time, the chaos every time. They've really been on that for a while, but it's like they've really been uh, embracing it a lot more since. I freaking love it. If I see them on the card, I know, great, the place is going to go fucking nuts because SGC is there. And the second that Pantera walk hits, the crowd oh, and the feeling in yeah. the atmosphere in that room changes. Like, it don't oh. matter where you're at, if you're by the entrance, if you're in the back of the arena, you hear that music, you see everybody go nuts, it brings a different feel to that match coming up. And going back to what you said about Jimmy Lloyd, it's like, 
in these matches, he's doing his stuff and he's like doing his thing that he always does and doing some crazy stuff. But with Los Macisos teaming with him, it kind of seems like they're kind of overshadowing him. So I wonder if that's going to, and him taking the loss here, I wonder if that's going to lead to some dissension between the trio since Jimmy's been tagging with them lately. So I'm interested to see what that ends up bringing, especially with, uh, I believe NGI coming up here pretty soon. So, uh, Interested to see what Los Macisos and Jimmy Lloyd, if they continue as a trio or if some dissension happens with the group and it leads to something further along down the line. Perfect. And in the main event of GCW's Gateway to the Death, we ended off with a GCW ultraviolet title match between the ultraviolet champion, 3 Pete himself, Alex Cologne, going against the Deathmatch Ratty Daddy and Cole Radrick. And this was a very good match. I was very looking forward to this one being the Deathmatch as well because Cole Radrick has been going nuts in his Deathmatch wrestling. He's showing he belongs there. He's bringing his creative wrestling artistic style to these Deathmatches, and that's one of the main reasons I love Alex Cologne as a Deathmatch wrestler and a regular wrestler because he's very creative. He knows what he's doing with these light tubes and he knows how to inflict as much punishment onto his opponents as much as he can during these matches. So I was very much looking forward to this match. I thought it was a very well done match. Very exciting match. What do you think about it, John? Um, first off, I wanted to mention Cologne's Tupac theme. I'm a really big fan of Tupac, so it's always nice to hear that. Um, light tubes are really the main weapon in this, and they were swung everywhere. I don't know if they did this on purpose or not, but when it comes to Cole, he's a great bleeder on the head, and it looks great when he bleeds on the face. He gets hit, he bleeds, he likes to look at the camera, he likes to stare at the fans, he's got a great face for someone who looks stunned that they've been injured. So um, that was really Really just impressive to see all that. He took a brunt of the punishment during this, especially for the first half of the match. So, I mean, he he's just, he's really coming into his own as a deathmatch wrestler. Some people may not know or are just starting to get into GCW, and they may not know that he originally wasn't a deathmatch wrestler. So this was something where he came to GCW, and he was really putting himself on the map originally just as a wrestler. And he had a match. I can't look back off the top of my head on which match he had, but he went into a death match and he just lit it up. He had the look, he had the style, and then he just came into his own with this. And he's one that I can say who is bringing wrestling to the death match scene. And that match you're talking of is when he stepped up to the plate and I forgot who he filled in for, but it was against Orrin Vite in Atlantic City and at the showboat and oh. that crowd was ratty daddy 100% behind him and he played up to the crowd like how you said his facial reactions whenever he mm -hmm. reacts to getting hit that tells a great story um him showing like hey I'll cut myself just for your guys's entertainment and to prove to you yeah. guys I belong here and that match with Orn Vite was what kind of elevated him in my eyes to the deathmatch scene and in a lot of other people's eyes, I think, as well. And Alex Cologne started off this match was like, hey, you're on a roll, but I'm still the king around here. There's a new king. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Nick Cage, but the new king of ultraviolet deathmatch wrestling is Alex Cologne, and he's proven that this year. And I think that's this was his way of showing Cole's like, hey, you're awesome. You have a good future, but tonight's not your night. Like, he just took... <laughs> Cole behind the woodshed and just hit him with light tube after light tube. And oh. 
it was it was bloody as it typically was or would be in a death match but all that blood was coming from cole like cologne was pretty clean for the first part of the match and then once finally cole was able to recover from the initial onslaught by alex cologne cole ended up taking the advantage hitting alex cologne with his creative cutter moves through uh light tubes and dropping them on the outside through light tubes like cole took a while to find his footing but he found it halfway through this match yeah, that's why I was saying earlier, it was very light tubey. <laughs> you yes. saw a lot of light tubes flying left or right. Um, again, this is a situation where Cologne came out with the win, but Cole really came out looking solid. Looks like he could take some punishment. Uh, Cole's still getting his feet underneath him every now and then. You can see that perfectly fine. Um, at one point, you can see Cole's arm did get injured at the very end of that match. And you can see right after they took the one, two, three, he's looking at his left arm and he's looking at that injury. So it was bad enough that they actually wrapped up his arm in a towel and then they went ahead and walked him to the back. Yes. And especially after what happened just a couple nights ago with Hoodfoot, uh, it's you got to be take every precaution because we love these wrestlers like we might not like them all. And there's certain styles and boo them and stuff, but we paid for them to be there to entertain us. And at the very end, we always want them to be healthy and come out of each match and well enough to perform for us and live to fight another day. And luckily, Cole seemed to be all right. He went to the hospital that night. I think he posted like uh, he got stitches on his arm and uh, Cole be all right. He needs a little bit more. You can see in his deathmatch style, I think his brain is going way faster than his body wants to because all his creativity mm -hmm. that he brings to his normal style of wrestling, he's trying to incorporate mm -hmm. it into the deathmatch scene. And for the most part, he's doing good. But I think when he's gets his mind going and he's just like trying to go through all these moves, I think that cost those little hiccups that he has in executing those moves helps out his opponent and Alex Cologne took full advantage of this to uh, defeat the ratty daddy. And once again, retain his ultraviolet title. Yeah. Cologne's being, being that uh, veteran for sure. Uh, Cole is one of those people that I, I think, especially with his age, he's only going to get smarter. He's only going to get better. He's nowhere near his peak. He's got a long way to go. I think he's another one that he's going to be around for a long time. We're really going to, we're going to really, we're really going to see some crazy matches out of him down the road. Um, I really do feel again, this was really, uh, this was really to push Cole. Cologne was in there doing his thing. However, we always expect him to do his thing. And same thing. He delivered. He went out there, kicked some ass. I really, I'm really happy that this was the main event. Uh, it was really nice to see a solid 16 minutes of ass kicking out of both of them. Yes. And going back to what you said, like Cole's finding his footing and based off his age, just so how we have the young pillars in the tag division of Nick Wayne and Jordan Oliver. I think Cole Radrick is definitely a young pillar that's going to hold up that GCW ultraviolet division or their deathmatch division, whatever you want to call it. He's going to be there and he's going to be one of the pillars as GCW moves forward in these next few years. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you a hundred percent. And that caps off another memorable GCW gateway to death as they make their St. Louis debut. Uh, my big takeaway from the night is the Tony Depp and Nick Wayne. I like seeing Nick Wayne going against the gatekeeper, but 
I don't think that's, I don't use it in a derogatory form when talking about Tony Depp and being the gatekeeper. He's saying, mm -hmm. hey, you want to be in GCW? You got to prove you can handle me. And it's not like, hey, you beat me. You're better than me. It's, hey, you you showed what you got, but I'm going to bring the best out of you. And he definitely brought the best out of Nick Wayne, especially after they both just main evented the, the prior two events uh, the weekend before. So it was like, like seeing them have a match against each other, keeping them in everyone's mind and setting up a possible title shot for one of them down the line. So that was my memorable moment. Uh, what do you think about the event, John? Okay, you're going to kill me. I may have a couple memorable moments here. One I'm just going to do shortly is the alley catch situation. You know, she ate that boot. She busted her lip. It's unfortunate. Again, uh, Scorpio really did do everything he could outside of stitching her on the spot. So much respect to that. Uh, also, I wanted to say that Davey Richards' quote would probably be my highlight of the night damn near outside of any other wrestling things. I really think it's a quotable quote. I really think that it's nice that we have that on tape. And I really think it can be used down the road in various other promos. Um, Janela, Joey Janela, putting on an actual wrestling match instead of a gimmick or a street fight style match. I thought that was great. And then also Cole establishing his deathmatch credibility slowly by taking all of these matches as they go. There were a lot of single matches tonight. I actually, I learned <laughs> that after watching this show that I actually prefer more of the GCW three-star, uh, three-man, four-person, six-person, uh, you know, scrambles even, uh, as a personal preference. And I'm starting to realize that maybe those multiple-person matches are part of the GCW magic. Yes, and I love seeing the scrambles, the death matches, the trios death matches, the straight one-on-one, -on -one, see who's better matches, the tag matches. They bring a lot of variety in their matches. I love to see it. I think one reason we didn't get a lot more of those multi-person matches is because of the travel issues. I know, like we were talking about the other day, there's a lot of yeah. people made it. At least Joey made it out this time, finally. But uh, mm -hmm. I think the travel issues hurt a lot with that, but... Just like they always do, GCW just finds a way to put on magic for their fans at, at home, in the arena. And just like a GCW, they always say, it just keeps on going and going <laughs> and fucking going. And yeah. we made that magic work tonight. Yeah, night. I remember that on Twitter for sure that it was just all lit up with, you know, talent pissed off because they couldn't get to where they needed to go. And it was all airline related. You know, normally somebody complains about a car breaking down or, you know, something like that. But this was just airlines, airlines, airlines. KG didn't make the show that we talked about on our last podcast. You know, people were missing this one. I don't know how much, but we still have COVID going on. And that's a real problem right now. Uh, still, for a lot of people. I, I really just am happy that we got what we got out of this. There were quite a few firsts that night. It was not what I expected out of uh, it was not what I expected out of Cole. It was not what I expected out of Janela. And it was really welcome to see. Yes. And DCW doesn't let any of those uh, side pieces that could distract them with the problems that they had with the airlines, the injuries, the COVID or whatever. They always find a way to make really good stuff out of really shitty situations and this weekend those two events that we covered the last couple of days are proof of that they just will keep on going and going and they just 
will never keep on going. And just like GCW, we are not done yet. We are going to keep on going and going and fucking going. And we are going to cover another GCW event in this episode. You are getting a double action, double packed, double event coverage in this show. And we are going to be covering the Rock and Roll Express's farewell match at GCW. And starting part two of our GCW Plant Podcast, we are going to be covering the Rock and Roll Forever event that happened on Sunday, July 3rd in Evansville, Indiana at the Veterans Memorial Coliseum. And we start the night off with a singles match of Calvin Tankman going against Big Breakfast, the East Coast ace, the clout cutter, Jordan Oliver. And once again, this is... Not a small man that Calvin Tankman's going in, as Jordan is pretty tall, but based off of the muscles that Tankman's kind of used to fighting against when he fights these bigger, stronger people, Jordan Oliver was a good mix of strength as well as his agility and technical ability, and he showed both in this match against uh, Tankman to try to take the advantage over Tankman, as Tankman is a bigger, stronger guy, as we saw just a couple nights prior going against uh, Ninja Mac, and uh, what do you think of this match so far, John? Um, I really think that, well, since we're talking about Tankman for a couple of minutes, if you go back and look, Tankman's lariat looks great. I know, I know, obviously, the person who's on the receiving end of that really helps. Jordan made his lariats look awesome. Um, Jordan can sell lariats and punches really well. He did it really good in this match. Um, his cloud cutter that he put over Tankman for the win... That cloud cutter is, you know, you wonder why he has that name. That's exactly why he has that nickname. Yes. And Tankman, doesn't matter who you are, whenever he lariats you, he's going to make you feel it and make you look crazy doing it because he is a strong motherfucker and he always demonstrates his strength. And he definitely did it for the majority of this match against Jordan. Jordan was on his back and trying to, Stay away from uh, Tankman's strength. And uh, luckily, Oliver has a couple different finishing moves lately we've seen. We've seen him use the Orange Crush. We've seen him when he finally learned how to perfect the Boston Crab. He uses that occasionally. And in this match, the only finisher that he could have possibly used to win the match would be the Clout Cutter. And luckily, that's his go-to finisher. He hits Tankman with the Clout Cutter for the victory. And that makes Jordan 3-0 on this weekend. Even though Tankman lost, once again, we say it all the time, Tankman loses, but in the end, I don't think he's a loser. He comes out looking strong as hell, looking monstrous and keeping up his big guy kind of theme and domination (laughs) over the GCW roster. Even though he can't finish it to get the victory, at least he's dominating everyone and making himself look good in the event that he loses. Yeah, that was a solid singles opener. It was... I just didn't disappoint whatsoever. I love watching Tankman. I want to see more of him. I would like to see him in GCW. He just, I think we may have talked about this earlier, but Tankman is just, uh, he's just a lot like Hoodfoot, man. I want them both. I'd love to see a division started around those two men. Yes, and Tankman has showed he could go against the smaller guys. He's gone against the bigger guys. We haven't really seen him dabble into the deathmatch scene or really tag matches. He's dominated during these scrambles, though. So he's shown a propensity. I don't know the word propensity, however you say it, to adapt his style towards his opponents and 
towards the match style that is going on. Yeah, I think what we're also trying to say here is that he's one of the big guys that doesn't have to have every match just being a crush. He can actually wrestle also. Yes, and he shows all his different abilities during these matches as well, the longer the matches go. So that was a very solid opener to start the night. All right, for the second match of the night, we have Kerry Morton making his GCW debut, going against Tony Deppin. And like how we talked about earlier this episode, Tony Deppin being the gatekeeper, this wasn't one of those, hey, are you welcome in GCW? Can you hang with us? This was more of, hey, you're only on this show because of your dad. And Tony Deppin made sure Kerry Morton felt that because that was what Tony Deppin was pretty much saying to him all match. You don't deserve to be in my ring. This is my GCW. You're only here because of your dad and your dad's greatness. So this is one of those typical uh, bad guy going against the good guy's legendary son. And hopefully the son is trying to follow their father's footsteps as in Ricky Morton. And Kerry held his own here. Like he showed he belonged in a ring real fast to Tony. And Tony was kind of caught off guard with that with uh, seeing the youngster Kerry in the ring. Yeah, I, I was really enjoying the mullet on uh on carry you know he's kind of got his dad's mullet kick in there he came out to poison don't want nothing but a good time i thought that was cool um this was a really true back and forth this whole match you know deppin talking shit the whole time then he's talking shit with carrie's dad ricky ricky's on the ricky's on the stage talking shit back they're giving uh giving motions towards each other uh heel deppin at his best man i really enjoyed that um is there any other kind of see. tony deppin other than a heelish tony deppin though that's the best one that's <laughs> all i can say yeah this, the point here was really to put over carrie uh i also think it was to just kind of push carrie to his limits and really kind of stretch him out and make him a, a more complete performer over time uh is there anything else kind of you can think about it to mention nope tony does a very good job as we were saying earlier taking these wrestlers to the deep end and seeing hey yes can you sink or swim like, I don't think this was necessarily that kind of uh, match for Tony. I think this was more of, hey, I'm going to make my name off of your name because your name is being made off of your father's name. And I think that was yeah. a way of Tony trying to get his momentum back after the the loss to Moxley, the loss to Nick Wayne. So I think this was Tony Deppin's time to say, hey, this is my ring. This is my stage. Even though this show is about your dad, this show is not about you. This is my show. This is my GCW. And he uh, had a very nice technical match with Ricky. Let Rick, Ricky showed off what he can bring to the ring. But at this moment, not quite enough there to beat Tony Deppin. As Tony Deppin once again uses his underhanded tactics, rolls up carry, and then put, uses the ropes to win the match. And once again, like you said, this was a good way to showcase carry while also a good way of Tony getting the momentum back, getting the victory, and hopefully using that victory further for further maybe a rematch against John Moxley later on down the road for that GCW title. Yeah, you know, this was just kind of funny to hear that, you know, Deppin's yelling, carry this, carry this, carry that. He doesn't want to give carry any attention, but, you know, when someone yells, carry this, carry that, all they're hearing is carry, carry, carry. And I think that was really what they wanted to do in this situation. And Deppin really put him over well. Yes. Nice, solid match. Good follow-up to the Tankman and Jordan match. 
Coming up next, we had our third match of the night of Nick Wayne going against Axton Ray. And I was very excited to see this. As we were talking about earlier, Axton Ray is one of these wrestlers where I'm thinking he's must-see because of his creativity and the range that he's shown in his wrestling. He's able to do the high-flying, the muscle stuff. He's got really good technical prowess. And like I always fall back on his creativity. I love seeing the creative spots I've never seen before, and he is doing it right now. Nick Wayne on the role that he's been on. So seeing these two interact with each other in a ring, I was very looking forward to seeing this match. And it didn't deliver or it didn't disappoint. It definitely delivered. Even though they didn't get much time to work with, they used that time very well and it used all their moves and got the crowd behind them during this match and kind of helped uh pick up the card after Tony Depp and put them all in a sour mood of uh, beating the hometown heroes boys. So, <laughs> this was a good match to kind of get the crowd back into it after that asshole Tony put them all down. Yeah, you know, this was a nine minute match. There was a lot crammed into nine minutes. Both men were doing what they uh, what they could with what they had in time. Uh, the The match went inside and outside of the ring. It was incredible how quick it could flip at just a moment's time. Uh, Axton, as we were kind of talking before, extremely athletic, nice bulky look to him. He went well up against the more slender look that Nick has. <clears throat> Excuse me. Both are really young performers. Both are future stars. 15 years from now, these two can meet up and still not be 40 years old each. That's uh, scary both to men, think about too. Right? We had right? this feud for a long time, hopefully. Oh, man. And they both sell well, so it doesn't matter if it's offense or defense. It looks good. Uh, Axton was primarily in control for a majority of the match. He had a really, uh, he was a, a decent, unique move set of, I don't know, maybe eight to 10, maybe even 12 moves that are in his set that you really don't see too often anywhere else. And they make sense too. They don't, he's not just doing these moves just because he wants to do it and can and do something flashy. Like he's doing something that is creative with a purpose to it and has reasoning behind it. And he, has delivered every single one of those moves and each move i'm like what is he oh okay that made sense and with the creativeness of it he's using that to um distract his but not distract his opponents but like surprise his opponents because they've never seen that move either so they don't know how to react to it so love seeing accident in the ring these two cannot wait to see it nick wayne and we were talking about accident being bulky and athletic for his size Nick Wayne's growing. Like I've noticed, especially on these Jordan matches, as he's wrestled with Jordan since he's at such a young age, he's only going to get bigger and bigger, and he's going to fill mm -hmm. into his body. And I'm interested to see how much that takes away from his athleticism, or he's just going to use that and even become more athletic and more creative and more dominant than he's been lately. You know, that's a good one. It's going to kind of be a toss-up. Part of it's going to be up to a matter of how much hard work these guys are going to want to put in. Because let's be honest, as we get you know, 30, 40, it really does come down to how much hard work you put into it. Your body can only, you know, your body can only do so much and you can only work with so much your body gives you. But as long as these guys keep putting in the hard work they're going to do, I mean, for crying out loud, same thing, man. I can't see a, can't see a dim future with either of these guys. Yeah, the GCW is, their future is bright and Axon Ray being another one of these guys just comes out of nowhere. It's like, hey, I would like to see a lot more of him and the more he gets to showcase his talents, the more we're going to see of him, hopefully, and show why he maybe be the next pillar of the GCW wrestling. They got so many pillars. It's going to be a nice, sturdy building that their GCW is building right now. And 
I don't see GCW going away from that. And once again, another reason why I love watching them, they're giving all these people that might not know, unless you're in that local area, going back to the main event, going back to Waves and Curls, being in New York. I haven't seen much of them other than what I've seen in other promotions, which is still not a lot as I mostly watch GCW. But now that I've seen them on GCW, I'm going to go out of my way to watch them. And Axon Ray is definitely one of those wrestlers I'm going to be doing that too. GCW definitely does a lot to uh, kind of push us out into making sure we see other companies. I mean, you see FE once, you're going to want to see FE somewhere else. And, you know, if if you're only catching them once a week, sometimes once every two weeks on the GCW show, it really is nice to see them once, two, sometimes for some of us, three or four times a week, just so we can get that FE in. And you don't have to say FE, you can fill in that uh, that line with any name whatsoever. I'm looking for Oliver on the indie scenes. You know, I'm looking for Cole on the indie scenes. Um, I yeah, can't wait to watch Nick yeah. when he starts getting some more AEW time as well. So, yeah. And going back to what KG said and kind of what you said, the world needs some more FE. If there was more FE in the world, the world would be a better place. For the fourth match of the evening, we have the Graveheart, Blake Christian. Going against the Iron Demon himself in Shane Mercer. And when I first saw this uh, matchup, I was pretty excited. I wanted to see how Blake would adapt his uh, style towards someone like Shane Mercer, who is strong, is powerful, but has also shown the agility, has shown the his deathmatch prowess in the last few matches. Um, something Blake Christian we haven't seen much of, and we see him resort to those kind of tactics near the end of this match as he gets a little frustrated uh, that he can't put away Shade Mercer. But I was interested in this match, and it was a very good clash of styles. Uh, once again, another kind of GCW staple, uh, putting two people that have two different styles in a match together and letting their creative styles work together and create magic. So I enjoy this match. Uh, what did you think about it, John? I think Blake had a lot of high-flying offense in this one. There was a lot of kicks also. Um, living up to the true new Graveheart style, the fans were not behind Blake at all. And we talked about his record earlier where he only had three losses. You figure the fans would really be behind a guy with a, a darn near perfect record. No, he's really in his full heel uh, mode, and he's playing it to the best of his ability. And then on Shane's side, I really gave him a lot of respect because if you could see it in the beginning of the match there, his left shoulder and his arm, they were all tore up. And, you know, he was healing from the show the night before. So I give him a lot of credit. I give him a lot of credit anyway overall because it's not like you can see a lot of powerhouse type wrestlers do backflips, let alone do backflips with full grown men in their arms. So I know a backflip doesn't make you wonderful, but that's just one example of some of the things he can do that you generally don't see out of powerhouses. Yes, when he does uh, that uh, salt and battery, the moon salt and battery uh, finish that he does, like yeah. you don't get that strength and that kind of agility in one package. And he definitely exudes it. And that's why I, I was interested in this match to see how Blake Christian would fare with it. And he struggled with it. He had a lot of offense and was getting it in, but he couldn't quite put the big man away. And he had to resort to using the tables, the chairs, and that's not Blake Christian's wheelhouse. And that's kind of what I was saying on our previous episode is I'm kind of interested if he goes up when Blake Christian goes against Moxley, Moxley will do whatever is needed to win while Blake mm -hmm. Christian hasn't really shown he would 
go into the little death matches and the tables and the chairs. So this was kind of maybe like a little preview of Blake saying, hey, I could do this, Moxley. I'm ready for whatever you're ready to throw at me. And like you said, the fans were kind of weren't behind Blake. I think that's showing the fans are saying, hey, we want Moxley as our champion. We don't want Blake Christian as our champion. Just like our homegrown talent. They were all for Tony, which is you got the a heel of heels in Tony Deppin, mm-hmm. but the crowd was cheering for him and Blake can't quite get the reaction that he wants from the crowd and get the momentum from the crowd to help him get over that next hump to be in the main event status. So maybe Blake's going to start showing some more uh, underhanded tactics and trying to show that he's willing to do anything he wants to win these matches. Yeah, I think that's going to come with the territory. Blake really is going to go full heel on this. I really hope that he does a deep dive. We were talking about this, I think, off camera earlier. I I, I think we even mentioned it maybe on the show beforehand, but I want to see that deep dive in character. I would love to see him change the hair up. You know, he comes out with the black pants, but he still has the brown jacket. I'd like to see that jacket turn into a leather jacket or a black jacket. I mean, I'd really like to see him sink into the character uh, even more. So I, I want to see how deep he's willing to take that. If he's taken that character and he feels that's a good idea, I want to see how good that idea is. I really want to stretch him out. Um, overall, it was a really good brawl. There was a lot of GCW chance. That's always great to hear. That means everybody's happy. Yes. Um, who ended up winning this one? I, I don't have that one in my notes. I'm so sorry. That was Blake, right? Yep. Blake Christian continues his hot streak. Okay. He uh, okay. ends up hitting what I'm calling the grave stomp through Mercer, through a door, and um, as we were talking about with the, the fans and Blake, he changed his name to Graveheart. Wouldn't that be a little bit heelish, a little bit more darker? The pain that maybe Blake has suffered over maybe, let's say, the last year of not just in GCW, but in other companies. Maybe he's trying to use that pain and get to his actual black heart and going to use that pain to make him be more, uh, how do I want to say, it? make it more underhanded tactics and showing Mm -hmm. that like hey i have this in me i just hasn't been brought out and maybe this was his match where he started to use the tables and chairs to start to show that grave heart of his a little bit more yeah i really think this is a situation where i would like to see him cut more promos so that we can actually get a little more of a clearer picture of why he's upset or why he changed. I know there was a little uh, promo that he did cut a while back where he was burying his character primarily. And um, I think that more promos would kind of clear up why a man who's so successful this year is so mad. I would like to know exactly how someone could do so well in a company like GCW and have that ax to grind. So I would like to get a little more focus on who he is and what the hell kind of problem he has. You said the magic word is why I don't want to hear who you want to go against. Of yes. course, everybody wants to go against the Garganos, the Moxleys, whoever else you want to name that has a name on the indie scene. Every wrestler wants that matches, but why do yes. you deserve it? Why do you want it? Why do you want it here in GCW? Why are you not going after the GCW wrestlers? Why are you calling out other wrestlers from other companies. You got plenty of talent to face here that you still need to prove yourself. And he's done a very good job, obviously, with getting all these wins this year since he's been back. But you still got some other names to defeat if you want to go through the whole GCW locker room, in my opinion, before you start calling out outsiders into the GCW world. That's just my opinion on it, though. But hopefully we'll see more of the 
why Blake has his grave heart now instead of his all heart. Yeah, on my side, I'm I'm at a point where as long as he makes a clear why, I don't mind who the hell he goes after. As long as he does his best to deliver what he says he's going to deliver. And those shows keep coming out as Blake Christian shows. Next match of the night is a six man tag match. And of course, usually when there's a six man tag match, SGC is involved. And we had SGC this time of Manders, Warner, and Justice going against what they call themselves the Blood Fighters in Akira, Alex Cologne, and Dale Patricks. And this was a match probably that Evansville has never seen before because. They all came here to see the Ricky Morton and the Rock and Roll Express, their farewell match. But I don't think they've seen much of uh, SGC in action in North Carolina. So uh, do you want to go over what kind of action they saw in North Carolina, John? <laughs> I don't know if Evansville has ever seen six men brawling in the balcony at one time, but they did get a chance to see that. I don't think they had a chance to ever see the six men all in the ring at the same time with three broken doors, each man with a broken door in hand and fighting the sh- beating the shit out of each other with these broken doors. Uh, this match was really the first match that the crowd was really fired up. There were a lot of GCW chants in this one. Um, this is one of those times where I just GCW, uh, I'm sorry, SGC really came into this building. And when they arrived, the people know that it was time to have fun. And uh, to steal a quote, ain't no party like an SGC party because SGC party do not stop. And they will party in the ring. They will party after their match. They will party before the match. And they will just let loose. And they have definitely brought uh, North Carolina a new uh, set of eyes in the deathmatch scene, and not really deathmatch scene with the Blood Fighters being in there, but the absolute craziness and the fun and the chaos that SCC brings to every GCW show. These guys highlight every time. I mean, if I, I don't even care who they fight half the time. I just want to see their name on the card, and as long as their name's on the card, oof. And they're really hard to see outside of GCW. Yes. So seeing them in a GCW ring, if you can get them in the ring, is a real treat. Yes, that environment is perfect for them. And like you said, they don't even need a ring. You just play their music, let them come out, feed off the crowd, and then, all right, we don't need a ring. Let's just start the fight out here at the bar, in the balcony, in the fans' lap. They just want to fight and party and we got the Justice Dive from the balcony once again. This one looked a little bit higher uh, than the night before, but Justice was showing <laughs> like, hey, that's going to be his little spot now. He's going to throw caution to the wind and let it fly every time he's flying through the air and hopefully he's crashing down against an opponent uh, on the outside. Yeah, the last thing I do want to mention about this match, it's before the match actually went off. I kind of have a little pride in this because it's our boy Cologne. It really looks good when Cologne is coming out with two belts. You know, you got the GCW Ultraviolet, you got the TNT Extreme Division Champ. I love watching these guys come out like peacocks. They got their freaking feathers out. They're like, look at this. Here's the show, man, you know, and you I, I had a chance to actually talk to Cologne personally before. Nice as hell. I mean, nice as hell. Good man looks you right in the eyes. He has a very, you know, he's just excited, especially after his matches. He's got adrenaline running cool as hell. I'll do it. Like he spent time talking to me. 
Uh, yeah, I'm behind this man. I've seen what he's done. I know that inside the ring, he's awesome to watch outside the ring. Nice as hell. I don't have a bad thing to say about any of these guys. And I like seeing him team up with uh, Akira because we all know Akira kind of always looked up to Cologne, especially when Akira made his debut. First match he wanted in GCW was Cologne, and yep. he got it at a T uh, no a Nick Cage Invitational um, few uh, almost a year ago now, but a few months ago. Mm-hmm. But seeing him team up with Akira, who he's had issues with, but also he just wrestled Del Patrick's a couple of nights prior, and now he's teaming up with Del Patrick's, and I love seeing Del Patrick's in the GCW arena as well, and like it just shows the depth that's out there in the deathmatch scene, and it shows um, that. We always talk about the tag titles, the tag division, but they're mm-hmm. slowly building a little trios division, if you want to call it that, with the six-man matches they've been doing with SGC. Now these blood fighters. You have out there the Los Macisos and Jimmy Lloyd. You have Effie, Bussy, and they'll pick up another member to join their group, and now you got another trios. Like They have all this talent that they're gathering everywhere they go to display like hey we could do trios death matches six man single like they're creating a very nice roster and while not be a regular roster you're going to see fresh races every night and give all these people another platform to display their greatness and these the new wrestlers that are showing up at gcw like dale patrick's earned himself another night based off his uh performance against cologne so i love seeing the blood fighters as they called them akira cologne and dale patrick working together as a team unfortunately they had to go through sgc and of course sgc picks up the win with mancer hitting the ddt justice flying off the top rope and then manders power slamming akira for the win yeah i'm actually gonna say one last thing if we have a chance to here I am 100% behind you on getting some more belts in the company. Maybe one, maybe two. The reason why I'm big on the belts is number one, we have such a depth of talent in the indie scene right now that you can bring anyone in from anywhere right now, slap a team together, maybe do a three-way, whatever you need to do. There are so many people out there that can deliver. That belt could travel. And that's another thing is the part of me that really thinks about the business side says, I would love to have my belt show up in this company and this company and this company. You know, it's okay maybe to think about having a belt that may be a traveling belt every now and then and a source of pride for quite a few wrestlers, maybe even get them a little more money on the back end. Um, But I just wanted to make sure I added a little bit about those belts because I'm a big fan of belts. So many people out there, man, we got to get some, some gold out to some people. For sure. And it gives the matches that these title holders are in more credibility, more exposure. And like you said, that ultraviolet championship just not too long ago, Takeda had it and he's out there in Japan holding it. And GCW was able to use some of the footage that Takeda had represented GCW as the ultraviolet champion in Japan. They were able to use some of that footage here in America. And as soon as he showed up to America, he put that belt on the line and Alex Cologne ended up defeating him in the NGI tournament for the belt. But with that belt being overseas, if you had another belt in your company, let's say the Extreme Belt, while that was kind of inactive for the longest time, mm-hmm. until PCL brought it back. But you have a couple of these belts that are inactive, and I know Brett really loves to like, hey, our champion is a champion until they lose it. We're not defending. We're not going to strip them of it. We're not going to put up an interim belt. Like their champion is a champion, but if your champion's not wrestling right now, as in the Extreme Champion right now, he's not wrestling. We're not seeing the extreme title being 
defended on TV. And lately, before while it was on TV, the last few events they were defend being defended in a scramble match, not really in an extreme environment, other than it being a GCW environment. But Duzos make a scramble title, so that way, hey, we might not have any title match. Our world champion John Moxley is not available for these next couple shows, but now you can elevate the titles that you have now and make them more predominant and give him a better space on the card and make it worth something. So that way when Moxie does come back and wrestle as the GCW champion, you still have another credible champion there to pick up the slack whenever these wrestlers aren't there to defend the belts. Yeah, I think a, a couple more belts would really add to a little bit more of the excitement too. Uh, we see sometimes one, two, maybe three title defenses, maybe, you know, one from outside the company comes in. But, um, you know, from a perspective of a fan, when you look at a card that has on average eight to nine matches, if three or four of those matches have title defenses on it, oh boy. And then it's just, it just becomes exciting to find out who's coming in to try to take that belt. It's just, it's like anything else that, that championship, uh, that belt really does create just a little bit of extra, uh, excitement it creates the drama it creates the storylines and that gets the fans invested it gives wrestlers more wrestlers another opportunity to raise their value and becoming a gcw champion doesn't have to necessarily be the world title but these new belts are possibly i would like to see the scramble belt and if they keep on doing these trio <laughs> yep. matches i definitely want to see a trios belt here too and like i said make that the main event of the night and it gives it that main event feel and it raises those wrestlers that are wrestling for that title. Hey, they're in the main event for this title. And at least the fans, when they show up, they want to see the belts when they don't see anybody with the belt. They're like, well, okay, what's so special about him? He's not a champion, but then you see Cologne come out here and not only is he a GCW champion, he wrestles over in England. Uh, I believe TNT is in England. He's over there in England, mm -hmm. defending the ultraviolet championship and he's a TNT championship. So it just helps everybody involved is my opinion. I agree with you a hundred percent. I just really think that when it comes down to the talk about another championship, that really does roll into our next match. Yes, for sure. Next match of the night is a six way scramble between Nate Webb, Alec Price, Carter Gray, Jimmy Lloyd, Larry D and Yoya. And Larry D got his a uh, nice little chance here coming from Impact Wrestling. I think this is his GCW debut. I don't remember ever seeing him in a GCW ring, but GCW always has debuts every week. There's multiple people debuting. So uh, nice of the crowd, though, to recognize Larry D, give him the love. This was a nice short scramble with a lot of chaoticness going on as uh, the typical six-way scrambles are. Um, John, I would like for you to explain to us what KG uh, was saying on commentary <laughs> about Yoya as I must have missed it. I must have been sneezing or coughing, but I have seen it in your notes and I definitely want to hear you say these words that All right. spit out of his mouth. So you had a long sneeze when you heard, look at the size on Yoya. Then you hear, he's Yoya, not Throya. Then we have Noya. Then we have nice Nonya. So that's, that's, yeah, Yoya has been getting killed on commentary these last couple of weeks with his name. You got Nick Gage calling them Yo-Yo all weekend. Then you have now KG saying he's a Yo-Yo, not throw you. Like that killed yep. me. When I saw that on the notes, I was like, how did I miss that? And I yeah. will now have to go back and rewatch that match just for the KG commentary. Yeah, this is one of those. It's this kind of links into another thing we were talking earlier, where even just sitting there making the jokes on Yo-Yo's name, 
is just getting really good attention on Yoya. And yeah, they're just really behind him 100%. I'm really hoping that eventually we get behind Alec Price from the minute he came from the back all the way till he went back after the match. He was constantly drawing heel heat from as many people as he can. He came out to that ring talking in people's faces. It didn't matter if it was the biggest guy. I saw him up there against a really tall guy just jab, just running his mouth. He don't care. Um, he's got years to go. I like the way he talks. I think his body needs to fill out, and he's going to be one hell of a package for a wrestler. Yes, and I remember when he made his uh, GCW debut going against Jordan Oliver. There was a lot of comparisons there of Jordan's had his last uh, couple years in GCW making his run, and then now Alex Price stepped in and went against him. And I remember KG making a lot of comparisons to a younger Jordan Oliver is what he sees in Alec Price. And I see it too. And I remember when that match was happening, I'm like, don't you dare compare Jordan or Jordan Oliver and Alec Price they are two separate people. But the more I've seen Alec Price, he is definitely has the package of being an awesome heel, uh, calling the people garbage. He's got an easy out there. Um, mm -hmm. His accent, while it is, uh, predominant with it he's using it perfectly to get that heel reaction from the fans and anytime you hear that reaction or it the accent you're going to get like what did he just say what did they say and then you're automatically going to get the booze because the boston uh, accent is very mockable so alec price yeah. is uh, here to stay he has definitely proven that over these uh last few months in gcw wrestling but especially this weekend getting to travel with the crew and stuff so it is very nice seeing alex uh price alec price sorry getting a lot more attention in the gcw crowd so then i got one here for you would alec price be young and do you think he's young dumb and broke you think alec price would be in that atmosphere or I... could be I could see them plugging him in for a match. I like it. I could see going back to trios action. Hey, throw him in with yeah. Nick Wayne and Jordan Oliver. Like, yes, you're going to have two yeah. kind of faces and you got the little natural heel in Alec Price, but maybe Jordan could convert Alec and not be so young, dumb, and broke as Jordan has seemed to uh, matured from his young, dumb, and broke era as well, still giving love to his young, dumb, and uh, broke crew. And he's still always repping Charlie Tiger, Griffin McCoy, and uh, mm -hmm. Taylor. He's still always out there. But, hey, what's another extra person? The more backup <laughs> you have, especially in the GCW arena or the events, and you got SGC out there just causing chaos, I would want all the backup I could get. And Alex Price would be a nice little fit there with Young Dumber Broke. I like that uh, like that uh, opinion there. Very much didn't see it at <laughs> first. Did not like it when I first saw Alex Price, but I could definitely see it. Yeah, I just I had to hit you with that unprepared just for fun. Sit on it for a little bit, but I'm telling you, I think he's young, dumb and young, dumb, young, dumb and broke a couple years ago. I think if he was uh, four years older and it happened back then, I think that he would have fit really well. His personality, you're right, the persona of who he is right now probably wouldn't have fit very well with them. Uh, converting him, he might be able to take that garbage attitude and turn it into uh, an attitude, just an attitude. Like Yum Dung and Broke comes out and boom, they have an attitude. And he's the one who always has to yell at the fans and he just can't hold his shit in. You know, matches go crazy. He's the one that has to yell and get the fans going. Um, 
I again, it's it's going too far maybe with it, but at the same time, I could see him having some likenesses with a younger Jordan Oliver too. Yeah, and it's a point that uh, I would like to see maybe one day just to kind of see how they would act. Because very similar, but uh, it'd be interesting, very interesting seeing those two interact as well as with a team as well as then you throw in Nick Wayne with anything and everything that he's doing now is be very interesting. A nice little trio match there. Yep, I I only wanted to mention here. <laughs> we didn't mention too much about uh, about Larry D. Uh, we only mentioned just a little bit, but man, is he a great hoss! I yes. I wanted to mention that. I'm I'm a hoss fan. I love to see muscle. I love to see mass moving bodies, just slinging people around. And also Nate Webb. It was just nice to see him for nostalgia purposes. He ended up winning this match, which is still which was you know kind of interesting. But you know he still covered Yoya. Yes. Unfortunately for Yoya, with another defeat. But going back to the Hosta talk, I would going back to Yoya losing to Tankman. I would love to see Tankman going against Larry D here sometime soon. Oh yeah. How about Crash Jackson? Crash oh, Jackson, Larry D. They're they're damn near the same. Yes, get them from Pro Wrestling Revolver. Get them work out something to uh, get those three. Let's have instead of a six man scramble with a bunch of uh, luchadors and high flyers, let's see a six man. Hoss scramble, which we have seen oh. in another promotion. We were at the same show, but uh, yeah, yeah, we won't talk about that one on this GCW show. Yeah, man, I think overall it was a quick scramble. I mean, six men, eight minutes. Honestly, I think our commentary on the thoughts were actually longer than the match. Yes, and it was a chaotic, hectic match. But like you said, Nick, we- uh, Nick, we- Nate Webb covers Yoya for the win and gets on the winning track. Our next match of the night is a single showcase between the Ratty Daddy himself, Cole Radrick, going against everyone's not-so-favorite bad boy, but everyone's <laughs> bad boy instead, Joey Janela. And this was a nice change-of-pace match for Cole Radrick, who still was showing uh, his scars and the bruises that he ob- obtained during his match with Alex Cologne just a couple nights prior. He's still wearing that match all over as his arm is bandaged up from that nasty cut he suffered at the end of that match. But overall, this was a nice technical in-ring masterpiece by Cole Radrick and Joey Janela, who once again shows it doesn't matter what you put in front of him, who you put in front of him, he will have a great match. And this was another showcase for Joey Janela to do just that. Yeah, you know, um, it. I got to mention right off the bat when Cole came out, Cole's really the hometown favorite here. He's also from Indiana and he's not far from Evansville. Uh, the crowd was very involved in this match. There was a ton of GCW chants going on within this thing. It was Joey's birthday and there was a happy birthday sung to Joey. <laughs> but honestly, this was about putting Cole on the map in his home territory, making sure that the Cole fans are are there. Uh, this was a real wrestling match. There was no thrills. It didn't go into the it didn't go into the stands. It stayed in the ring. Uh, you know, the boots stayed on the ground. It was a strong, a really, really strong uh, 20 minutes from both of these guys. And Joey Janela finally got his flowers. He's been asking for the crowd saying you happy birthday. Joey. There, <laughs> there's your flowers. Unfortunately, happy you didn't birthday. get it from Waltman, but you will get it from this Indiana crowd. And yeah, it was a nice, <laughs> nice back and forth. Cole, once again, just doing what he does in the ring. Doesn't matter what setting you put him in. He's going to make a fun match. And him and Joey, like Joey brought the best out of Cole, I believe, especially with Cole being injured. And he had a hectic weekend with the, all the matches he was in too. Like 
Cole stepped up his game, stepped up to the plate, and gave Joey Janela everything he can and end up picking up the victory using uh, Sebastian's curse for the win. And Joey Janela still kind of scrambling ever since the whole Wattman uh, incident at uh, the collective. He's still trying to find his bearings and get it back in that win column. But even without winning, he's elevating his name by putting on the different matches, the different styles, and showing he could put on a 25-minute classic, even though this was only 21, but close enough where he could still <laughs> make keep everyone's interest in a match. And that crowd was fire. They were definitely going for Cole, and Cole had the crowd behind his back, and that says a lot to Janela getting that reaction from the crowd. Yeah, I think Cole's another one of these people that you see every now and then where he would probably be better chasing the championship than actually having it. He's just, and and we talked about this earlier in the show, he's just so expressive that that expression shows a lot better in, in hardships and, you know, in times of pain. And in wrestling, that's just, you're going to see more on the chase with him. It's almost, and this down the road, we'll talk about it. Maybe, maybe not. But Adam Cole's also another guy that he's better chasing sometimes than he is actually doing it. People really want to be behind him. And I think that's happening with Cole, especially in his hometown, man. People really want to be behind him. He's a feel-good wrestler. I think that's what it is. And the other thing that really shows how, how things have changed is a year ago, if you told me that you were going to book a twenty, almost a 22-minute match, Cole versus Janela, I don't know if I would have thought Joey could hold in wrestling for 21 minutes. And here we are today with him putting over one after another, after another. Uh, I mean, just delivering way more than he did even a year ago. All his efforts are showing in the ring. Yes. And going back to Cole Radrick, the like why, why the fans are cheering for him and get behind him so easily is he's authentic. Like, None of his yeah. movements, expressions, mannerisms is forced. Like he is himself, even if he sometimes looks like the dorky kid in a wrestling <laughs> thing having fun. And he's like, oh, I'm surrounded by these legends. He is that person. He is having fun. And just he's showing it. And that's what I think a lot of the fans, myself included, I've gone out to go out here in Vegas. I've gone to a special show, local show, just to go see Cole Radrick because mm. how authentic he is and seeing him outside of a GCW setting, you get even more authenticity from him because he's that way 24-7. He's in there having fun cutting himself. He's out there showing all the blood. He's loving the blood. It's bringing out another side of him. I think the authenticity of him is a big reason of why he has the fans behind him as well as he does right now. Yeah, I've... Same thing we'll have to talk about later, but I only have a couple large size things behind me. Oh, One of them literally has Cole Radrick in the center. I had a chance to talk to him also uh, at the Las Vegas show, and I can tell you that you want to talk about just kind, nice, no ego. He's got time for you. I mean... I even got a hug from him on the way out. Like you, you don't get that with a lot of these tough guys, you know, but I mean, just downright as nice as can be. And sometimes it's, you don't always want to meet your heroes or you don't always meet these famous people or you don't want to, you know, I mean, these guys too, in their own way, they have camera time. They are kind of famous and you have this, you know, this, this thought process in your head of how they're going to be and Effie especially and several others, but Cole, yeah, they were exactly what I expected to be, and then some. And that made me even more a fan of, of all of those. And like you said, when we interact with them, 
most of the time it's after their match, especially Cole Rogers. Like, hey, he just got done with the death match and he's still all cut up and bloody and has everything on him. And he's got to go travel two in the morning to another state and do it all over again. But he will still sit there and make the time and treat every fan as if they're there. He's they're his number one fan and he will go out of his way to make sure a fan's experience is you can't talk bad about Cole Radrick giving the fans nope. a bad experience nope. in the ring, out of the ring. He is always like that. And it's a lot of the GCW wrestlers are, I have yet to met one that I have had anything negative to say as a person outside the ring. Like, yeah, I might just on their characters and stuff, but there's nothing personal. It's a TV portrayal. And I know they're real human beings outside the ring. I just haven't had maybe that character. I don't like, I haven't had the chance to interact with them and see, okay. Yeah, you're cool. I like you. I don't care what your character is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're just fans, but honestly, a hundred percent, they inspire us. Yep. That's why we do what we do. And Cole's a huge fan too. All these wrestlers, are, I've seen Jordan and Nick Wayne watch each other's matches, rooting for each other, cheering each other on. I've seen Cole uh, cheering on a match that he has no reason, has no dog in the fight, and he's still sitting there yeah. cheering GC yeah. Dub, GC Dub, and like turn around looking at me like, "Did you see that? That was crazy!" Like they're all just fans, just like how we are, and they treat us though not as just fans they treat us as special fans yeah i haven't been to many places where i could just look around while i'm seated and there's four people and there's eight people and you know and and i i'll get to it one day but i mean i I, i'm peeing in the men's restroom and i'm pissing next to a wwe hall (laughs) of famer you know, I, we'll, we'll go there one day. But I mean, I mean, somebody's over stripping off their makeup in the sink or someone's over having some tacos outside or someone's outside just gabbing with four or five other guys setting up a match. Like the GCW experience is so freaking amazing. I don't have strong enough words to describe it. One of its kind, very much one of its kind out there. And I don't think there's another company out there even close that has the fan experience as well as the the actual event experience as being a fan like you're not just there to watch the show you are a part of the show you will be involved in the show somehow some way so that's one experience that gcw has that is setting them for me light years ahead of other companies that i want to like to see more companies do i can't say anything more but agree 100 percent, brother all right our next match is the co-main event we have Billy Starks going against Dark Sheik. And this was a pretty solid match. Uh, both uh, wrestlers definitely got their stuff in. They showed their potential. Uh, what did you think of the match, John? Um, You know what? Yeah, it was a solid 11 and a half match. It, was, it had just enough excitement in it. You didn't want to blow out the fans for that final match. That's uh, never a good thing. The one, well, actually, there was a couple of things in here that really I wanted to point out. Sheik had a pendulum hold on Billy and was swinging her. And it's a rare move. You know, Sheik and Billy, I don't know how much they are difference in weight wise and stuff. But I mean, Sheik was really out there swinging her. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, overall, Billy Stark still got the win. She looked strong. I think Sheik was out there to make sure Billy did look strong. I'm actually slowly becoming a Billy Starks fan. Mostly it's because of her upside potential. She hasn't even graduated high school to my knowledge. And she's out there working. She's doing so much more than the average teenager at her age. She's handling, I'm guessing, a business. She's got to handle herself, traveling, her uh, her health. And it's just, there's so much going on there. Plus, there is one of the guys who likes to come with me to these shows. He is 17 and he loves Billy Starks. 
And so we're really looking forward to the next time uh, we go to the show. I want to see if I can get them to meet up for a second. And I want to see if I can get a picture of him blushing. <laughs> but uh, I put her in there with several other of the wrestlers that are up and comers right now. She's another one that I think that she's building a portfolio. She has a lot of upward potential there if uh, she keeps tapping into it. I have no doubt she's a hard worker. There's, I mean, I can turn on wrestling damn near any night of the week and she will be somewhere on a card. I'm not shitting you. Yep. I use IWTV.com sometimes. That's usually who I will use throughout the week because it gives me, you know, something every night. Damn near every night. Billy Starks is on that card. I got to respect that. And as long as she's young, she might as well work her ass off because it's going to pay dividends five, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. I don't even want to know what a Billy Starks would look like, but I'll tell you what, it'll be goddamn dangerous, man. Yes, she's uh, taking advantage of that summer vacation schedule since she's out of school right now. So she's getting all the work and uh, experience in during that time. And it's showing in her in ring work. She's improved every single match and a lot of the stuff i say about nick wayne you could easily say the stuff about her she's had had some of her dream matches she's delivered in those dream matches she's had a lot of yes spots on matches where they're kind of asking her to carry the match and hey you're going to be kind of the vocal point of this card and she's stepped up to the plate every time just like how nick wayne has and them being so young as we always keep on saying this Wrestling's future is in very, very good hands. Injury barring and any other stupid things that could possibly happen in this world, the wrestling industry is in very good hands, and GCW is doing a very good job of ex exposing these wrestlers to a bigger fan base and a bigger audience than they normally would have, especially being a 16-year-old. There's about four or five wrestlers I could name that are under the age of 18, and three of them I've seen on GCW on almost a regular basis, or like have you said, on almost any other indie promotion throughout any night of the week. So yes. getting this experience with the different wrestlers, the different work rates, the different styles of matches, it's only going to be a positive for these young wrestlers. And GCW's helping them get that exposure and experience. You know, I, I know we didn't talk much about Sheik. I have tons of great things to say about, say about Sheik. Sheik's another one where if, if there's a GCW card, you're going to see Sheik on it. Uh, she really hit the scenes quite a few months and quite a few months, maybe even close to a year ago. And I, I don't think anyone knew how to take her in the beginning because the moveset that she was using was so different and unique. And then it took a couple shows. And just like a lot of these guys, that a lot of these guys, a lot of these performers, that uh that catch fire in gcw it really does seem like um they just some they, something snapped and they get it and they just take off and uh chic is still just one of those people that i think they've they're still on that upward rise um dark chic is one or two solid matches maybe with janella or uh Deppin, away from maybe becoming a little more established Sheik is always constantly working too. I didn't want to take anything away from Sheik. It was just Billy Starks. This this seemed to be her match this time. And I wanted to make sure I spent a little time talking about Billy, her future, and the small crush that uh, my family has on her. Yeah, got it. Not, not my family, but the 17-year-old. <laughs> 
going off of like what you said though, where we were talking about Billy being every night you can see her now. Sheik's like that on the West Coast. You can see her at the Ugly oh, shows. Yeah. You can see her at the FSW shows, the Graph House shows, any other West Coast any prestige. Um She's out there doing all these stuff and all, doing all the West Coast promotion. So she is killing it on the West Coast. And like you said, this was a night, though, of she was the perfect opponent for Billy. She helped elevate Billy while still looking strong, like how she normally does. And she had a great match. And it was a nice, solid match leading up to our main events of the evening. And in our main event of the night, we have the Rock and Roll Express going against the rejects of John Wayne Murdoch and Reed Bentley. And for me, there's not much other things to say about this match. It was a nice little farewell match. I find it very interesting and appealing to me as a GCW fan that the Rock and Roll Express would, out of all the individuals, any wrestling, not even just independent wrestling promotions, but out of any promotions, they could have decided to have their last match and anyone would have gave them that platform. They chose the GCW platform and they chose to do it at the rock and roll forever. So I thought that was just cool. It shows the respect that GCW has earned from a lot of these legends that keep on popping up in GCW. And it shows that GCW recognizes their roots, the wrestlers yeah. that they're wrestling. Yeah recognize their roots and gcw gave them that platform to say goodbye to the fans at one of their venues that they're world famous for and it was just very nice seeing them getting the respect from gcw and the gcw crowd to uh have their farewell match for the rock and roll express yeah um what i started to notice right off the bat was the rejects came out as heels the problem is, personally, it's hard for me to hate Murdoch. Yes. I've, I've spoken, another one I've spoken to, he's nice as all get out. If you have a chance, go over to IWTV.com because there's a documentary on him. I, I'm just saying it only because it's really applicable. I sat down with my wife. I said, look at this guy. He's a real guy. He's one of the first ones I met because I saw he's like me. He has a family. He has animals. He's a happy guy. He's got things to lose. He gives a shit about, you know, something outside of wrestling. And uh, that that really kind of got me there. Uh, I loved watching the banner, the, you know, a lot of the banter beforehand, the rejects saying that they were Ian Rotten's accountant, yeah. I thought was pretty cool. Um, they really were on the rejects were on the receiving end of everything. They were, they were trying to get the crowd behind them as much as possible. They went over the top with the heel moves. You know, they were, you could really see, uh, you could really see Murdoch trying hard to get, to get them over his heels. Uh, so that the Rock and Roll Express could really be the guys to be, you know, the white knights. And naturally in the venue, in the setting that they're in, it being pretty much named for them, Rock and Roll Forever, naturally yeah. they were going to be the heels. And naturally the Rock and Roll Express were going to be the absolute baby faces and be the ones to send the crowd home happy as they uh, picked up the victory over John Wayne Murdoch and Reed Bentley. I think this was one of the first times too Reed Bentley's wrestled in the last couple of months. I heard he was having uh taking some time away to uh take care of some personal issues and I think just kind of take taking a step back from the wrestling industry as well. But seeing him come back and teaming up with John Wayne Murdoch against the Rejects, I think it was a as we were talking about earlier, the perfect tag team for the Rock and Roll Express to have their farewell match against. Huh? Yeah. I uh I just 
I'm sorry here. Let me see. So the last thing I want to say about it was I thought it was really cool for Ricky just to use light tubes since he's never really <laughs> yes. done it. He was so ginger and kind he with the way he did it. it. Didn't even know. He's like, what am I supposed to do with it? <laughs> yeah, dude, I was just that really, you know, it was really nice. It was a great ending to the night. It was feel good. Yes. It was, you know, it was short. It was quick. It really was a rock and roll express match. It's just people who haven't seen them. Uh, for years or decades might not know but i mean they used to come in like lightning the women would yell the men would be so happy to see these guys enter and just kick ass i mean they would come in just wipe the floor and just leave i mean it didn't matter who it was you know and uh yeah i i just okay so i do want to say one thing about it because i've actually been watching these guys since 1984 i'm not lying i'm a little um i've I used to stay up on Saturday nights and I would watch whatever the local affiliate would feed to us. And the NWA was one of them. I used to watch AWA, a little bit of Mid-South. WWF would come on generally Saturday mornings. So in my neck of the woods, I didn't really have cable TV. My local station was who I had. And on Saturday nights for a kid, there wasn't shit to watch. <laughs> I always stayed up late. So I wanted to basically close this chunk out for this by just kind of saying that I wrote something down and I only wanted to say it as I felt because I wanted to give this to these guys. I basically wanted to say that as a 40 year career, they stayed together as a tag team the whole time. We're talking a two time USWA tag team champ. They were a three time Mid-South wrestling tag team champs nine times nwa tag team champs we're talking they carried the banner for nwa nine ten time smoky mountain wrestling tag team champs wwe hall of famers and i'll tell you the minute they said 10 times smoky mountain wrestling tag team champs evansville went fucking nuts because they know exactly what that's all about that's smoky mountain territory you know that's mid-south territory through there and people don't think it is it definitely is you have a lot of fans through there that even used to do tape trading i've heard people they used to turn their antennas on their house so that they could get a channel from somewhere else. And I know because I used to switch it from Cleveland to Pittsburgh some nights. <laughs> so I actually know this. I had to take a wrench and actually, you know, so long story short, I just wanted to close out that review on this one because I think it's only right that people who are new to GCW or maybe new to the Rock and Roll Express understand the history behind them and how important they were to people like me. Well said and like I can't add much to it. Their resume speaks for themselves. What they've done over the last 40 years, you said, as a tag team. Yeah. Like you talk about independent wrestling, kind of how it is now with not so much territorial as it was back then. But you have your certain companies that are running the certain territories. And GCW is going to those towns and running those towns while they're in there. But this was a good way of the independent wrestling scene as a way to kind of say hey farewell thank you for what you've done for independent wrestling because like you said there's all those championships that are not just Ooh, like yeah. the big companies they're like some of the little companies but at the time they were bigger companies and that's all over the united states that they're traveling all over becoming their tag team champions with all these different companies and that just says a lot of how well they were 
for wrestling back then, for the territories, as well as what they've done on the bigger platforms as well. The only thing I can say to close this out with these guys in mad respect is legacy. And that is how we close out the rock and roll forever GCW show. And of course, what a way to go out given the rock and roll express their due. Uh, a couple things I take away from this card is nice, solid card. It wasn't too crazy with the fighting all over the arena and the crazy spots and the crazy athleticism, but it was a very entertaining show, a perfect show to uh, give respect to the legends at our rock and roll express. And I just like seeing them choosing GCW as their platform, their promotion that they want to go out as a tag team. And I like seeing Jordan Oliver get back on that or keep on that winning sheet going three in a row that weekend. Um, and I would just want to see a lot more of uh, Nick Wayne and Axon Ray. Can not wait to see what both of them can provide the GCW uh, wrestling world of how great that I think we're just scratching the surface on both of them. What yeah. are uh, some things that you took away from? Um, just being a dad, I thought it was really cool seeing Kerry Morton on his dad's last show in Evansville. I thought that was really cool. It was really cool to see, uh, Cole being the hometown hero. I know he gets mad cheers all the time, but seeing him really get cheered in his hometown, you know, his home territory, I thought was really cool. The GCW chance there was, there was more GCW chance than normal. I, I thought I was wrong. I looked back. No, it was a pretty hot crowd. People were really, uh. People were really into it. Happy birthday to Joey. I thought it was kind of cool when there's always a little happy birthday thing. Uh, Larry D being one hell of a hoss. I think he did a great job. Alec Price being on the radar and uh, getting himself into GCW uh, uh, mouths. And throw ya. Really love me some throw ya, man. How are you feeling about throw ya? It's yo ya, not throw ya. <laughs> I like it when uh, yo ya gets throw ya. Yeah, it's really nice to know ya when he does that. <laughs> uh let's see what else we got here we found ian rotten's accountant i thought that was really nice that the rejects found them i'm pretty sure uh, some uh, wrestlers are looking for that person <laughs> but uh yeah that's all the memorables that i can think of it was just lovely to see my childhood uh man i see it a lot now but it was really lovely to see my childhood guys at least get a nice push off in the evansville arena it really is uh it really is a special place Yes, and like you said, it was a great way to end the show, great way to end their careers. Um, and they had one more uh, one more card that weekend, which is uh, Backyard Wrestling 4, and we will be going <laughs> over that in our next episode. So keep, out, keep a lookout for the GCW Plant Podcast, episode 7 it would be. We are going to be covering the Backyard Wrestling 4 and covering all the craziness that was that and how they ended off their, uh, so was it the Summer Road Rage Vacation or something like that? Summer Road Vacation, they were calling it. So yeah. four events, five days, the DCW hectic schedule that they always run. They ended it on 4th of July the way they always do with the Backyard Wrestling 4 craziness. We will be diving deep into that. That episode will probably be coming out uh Either sometime next week, early next week, we are playing catch up here. We know yeah. we have the backyard <laughs> wrestling show to catch up on. We have to catch up on the GCW settlement series. And as a little special treat, we are going to th throw in and cover the JCW uh, yeah. the bash that they did. Because that was the real GCW show, man. Yes, you know, it. Gonna, that was the GCW show. I was gonna, so why, while it was under the JCW banner, it was really the GCW show that weekend. And yeah. um, so we'll be going over those two 
cards uh, next week on the podcast. We're still working on back-end video. Uh, as you see, we improved our times here. We covered two shows in one. So welcome to the extra double-double episode that you got today. Hope you guys all enjoyed it. Um, and we're going to get... Go ahead. More coming, man. There's more coming. Yep. The mm -hmm. only thing I want to say on my end is we are just fans. Thank you so much for listening. Yes, so cool. thank you all you guys. I'm even like as we were doing this, I'm kind of checking the numbers, vanity checking here, seeing how numbers doing and for just releasing the other podcast that we did last night with our first show with you. I'll give you all the credit of bumping our numbers yeah. up. And yeah, getting right. Some more plants to listen to our GCW plant podcast has been very fun. This double episode here has been very fun. Uh we will catch up. We will be on schedule at some point next week. We will be on the crazy schedule that GCW is on and we will stay on schedule. We will be keeping uh posting it on social media. I will be uploading it to YouTube here over this weekend and we will have a lot more content coming out. So please leave us feedback. Let us know what we're doing right. Let us know what you want to see, how we, we can improve because we're always looking to improve on this podcast. And it's yeah. not just a podcast for us. I called it the GCW plant podcast because we're all the plants. That's the fans. And this is a podcast for you fans as well as another way to get some extra GCW content on the days that there, no, there aren't any shows on. And we appreciate you listening to us. Keep on leaving that feedback. Rate was it subscribe, rate, review, whatever it is on the Spotify and on the <laughs> Apple podcast. I hate saying that, but yeah, it gives us feedback and lets us know that we're doing a good job or what we want to improve. And we just want to make this good for you guys because we have fun doing this and we, we, yes. we want you all to have fun listening. So on that note, once again, JJW, Mr. John J. Wolf, I appreciate you coming back for episode two slash three, even though it's a double episode. Appreciate you coming back. I didn't scare you away. Like no. I said, the fans seem to love you. You got uh, yeah, yeah, all yeah. the views on your show. So thank you for coming back. On behalf of myself, I want to say thank you all, and we will see you next week. John, any parting words from yourself? No, dead honest. We're just fans. Thank you so much for listening. We're 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 just like we're we're just like all you. We are you. Yes. Come on over, say hi, write some questions. I'd love to talk about something someone else would like to talk about, also, man. Yes, please. Also, that reminds me, don't forget to hit us up on social media. Yep. I am Mystical Jericho on Twitter. Uh, if you type in like GCW Plant, I'll probably pop up right next to it. That have that next to my name. And uh, where can they find you again, uh, John? <laughs> you can find me as John J. Wolf on Twitter. J.J.W. Awesome. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit us with the follows, the feedback. Spread the word out. Any GCW people that you think would be interested in it or you want to get interested in wrestling and awesome shows, please listen to this podcast. Help them expose them to the product. You get GCWs in your town, take them with you to the show and I guarantee you, you take them to one show, they will be hooked for life. So thank you all again very much. We appreciate you guys and we will catch you next week on the GCW plants podcast. You guys have yourselves a good night. <laughs>